the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Hey, we're going to have a... I'm traveling right now, and we're going to have a couple of replays today. I went back through what people were asking me, interviews they thought were particularly good, and uh, a couple of them popped to the front. Uh, Gregory Wrightstone, my friend who has, uh, wrote the book... Uh, inconvenient facts about the uh the science that's used to justify all the climate change stuff he's he did an interview uh, a week or so ago and uh, we're going to have replay that because one of you uh emailed and said that was very helpful also how shirtliff uh back another one how shirtliff to uh re uh discuss his challenge to the constitutional um violation by the city of Boston, which he won. So we'll have those two guest, uh, excuse me, replays. Uh, I know it's the holiday season. You get some replays all over the place. I have to do it. I'm traveling. And let me tell you why, because this is kind of interesting. I have been uh, in a courtroom uh, as part of a proceeding with a jury. And so I've seen the jury. The important thing is I saw the jury picked. The jury was picked by the uh, by the uh, uh, parties. And I was in the room to watch that. So there's about 80 people in the room. And one of the questions that was asked during the uh, choosing, it's called voir dire, voir dire, I'm going to pronounce it poorly, but it's the choosing of the jurors. You ask them questions. And one of the lawyers said, who here is not on Facebook? And half the people raised their hand that they were not on Facebook. Then he said, who here is not on Twitter? And I'm telling you, 98%, 99% said they were not on Twitter of about 80 people. And these were regular folks. This is a kind of cross-section. It's a, a, a suburb county around St. Louis where I've hailed from. So it was very interesting, very interesting. But I also had conversations with some of the folks uh, not on the jury because you don't want to talk to a jury that's going on, even if you're, uh, you know, not not. Yeah, you just want to be careful. But I, I visited a lot. I've been spending a lot of time talking to some folks from this neck of the woods and talking about what's going on and talking about uh, Biden inflation. You know, one thing people regularly complain about is gas, uh, excuse me, food prices right now. Seems like gas prices have dropped off. Maybe people are used to it. But they don't complain the same way they do about uh, food prices. I got seems like every maybe third person when you say, hey, what do you think about what's going on? They say, oh, man, it's really tough times. And food prices is one of the factors. But um, what you need to know is the power of the narrative machine to assign to assign uh, what people believe to the people. And I'm being serious about this. And I'm I'm not saying it's just liberal. I'm saying that Fox News does it and even talk radio, conservative talk radio. You have to have find people that are willing to tell you the truth no matter what, I think. And otherwise you get a sign. And here's an example. More than one person, when I talk to them, re- reasonable people, not conservative, not liberal, just kind of regular folks. I shouldn't say reasonable. There's plenty of conservatives that are reasonable. There's plenty of liberals that are reasonable. But, but what I mean is people that are not particularly political. The, the people I'm talking to, you know, working folks and some, you know, sheriff's deputies and uh, and for other folks. To a person in the middle of the country, 
what they associate the January 6th events with is a coup, an insurrection. And as I talk to them, again, not people that are sort of partisan and, and into it for the partisan sort of hackery where they jump to a conclusion. But you say to them, well, you know, did you know? You know, nobody had weapons there. You know, one person, I guess, did or something. You know, and, no, I didn't know that. I mean, did you know uh, p- p- the deaths that happened, you know, after were a couple of Trump supporters died that day. But, you know, the other ones, the cops and others were afterwards. Did you know there was a, a pipe bomb uh, at the DNC and at the RNC the, the day of and the night before? And, and they didn't know any of that. They didn't know any of that. And all they knew was sort of a narrative that had been pushed out that was is one sided. And why I tell you that, why am I telling you this today? What you need to know is we're in for another week of what I would call the narrative machine, pounding a message. And the message is meant to denigrate Trump. He was somehow the cause of January 6th and to overblow the size and scope of what happened. And so uh, over uh, on, uh, I think, early Monday morning, I was looking at the sites and you have preview stories clearly leaked by the staff or others of the January 6th Select Committee of their fine quote final report. Their final report, which is coming out, I think, next weekend. They're going to have like a weekend session and they're going to try to, you know, try to uh, get enough attention. So when you get close to Christmas, you get very little real news because even journalists and even uh, narrative machine workers have to go get, you know, presents for their family and so, and, and travel for Christmas. So right about now, maybe a few more days from now, you will see a real drying up of stories, news stories, and it will become puff stories. Lots of, uh, lots of, um, of, uh, uh, you know, kind of long think pieces, they call them of, you know, biographies and, and, uh, ec- and not, not exposes, but fluff. You know, let me tell you about how such and such works or who such and such is, you know, uh, cinema, the 75,000 story on uh, Senator Cinema and where she comes from, et cetera. And that's what you'll see. You'll see this sort of uh, shift in the next few days to really light news. There'll be football on. There'll be nothing else. But the January 6th Select Committee is is teeing up a week's worth, it looks like, of uh, stories on how bad things were. And what you need to know, and all I'm pointing to is, Watch the narrative machine. Again, it's totally one-sided with no opposition, you know, no cross-examination, no critical thinking. You're watching the Twitter uh, stories, the Twitter files released by Elon Musk that seem to show pretty clearly in black and white how, at the very least, the effort to ban Trump and to uh, to make it so people can't talk about election integrity was one-sided. At the very least, it was one-sided. At the, at the, at the, I maybe say it better. At the best, it was one sided. At the worst, it looks fully sort of corrupted by a partisan worldview. But we don't really know yet. We're just seeing it come out. But you're going to see a week's worth and then, and then a dramatic report. And 99% of the country will never read the report. So what is happening? The narrative machine, big government, here comes a report, big tech and big media will call it what you want. And they're going to pound this message. And none of it, I'll be frank, none of it is trustworthy i can't say yet it's untrue i haven't seen it all but i can say it's not trustworthy it's distrust and verify that's the message so watch for that watch for that and discount it if you can it's hard to do it's in the air and that's what i found when i talked to folks out here in the heartland in the middle of america all right we'll take a break we'll be right back it's ed martin here on pro america report back in a moment
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, for years, years, I would say that our next guest was somebody that I talked to about education, about how to uh, um, understand what we need to do to give people a sense of the our Constitution, our founding documents, and et cetera, et cetera. And then he became a warrior in the in the culture wars by uh, suing and being able to get his flag up the flagpole. At the, I think the I get it right. Uh, correct me how the mayor's uh, the um, city hall in Boston. So Hal Sherliff is uh, the leader of what I want to make sure we talk about, too, which is the uh, Camp Constitution next fall. Uh, excuse me. Next summer, July 16th through 21st, 2023. They have Camp Constitution. If you're planning your summer, you hear this and you say, write it down, go to campconstitution.net and you'll see uh, you can link on this and mark it. It's great. It's a great camp. Uh, it's a lot of great education, a lot of great people. Um, so uh, anyway, first of all, Hal, uh, welcome back. What's it like to be a uh, culture warrior and a winner? You won your fight with City Hall um, and the flag went up. Uh, tell us about uh, where things are. Have you retired and you're just uh, taking accolades, I assume, from all this? No, no, no. That's t- the work never ends. Yeah, um, that's right. Like, uh, like to quote my late friend and your late friend, Sam Blumenfeld, we're going to do this till we drop. And he <laughs> did. And so will we, uh, God willing. Yep. But yeah, the, we were very excited about the lawsuit after five years. Uh, the city denied us a permit to fly a Christian flag on a pub- what they call a public access flagpole, where they've been flying communist flags and rainbow flags and all the other flags. And we actually got the permission to fly it one time. It was a one-time ceremony because they have now canceled any third-party flag raising. And what makes this issue even more important than just one, you know, one city is that uh, I'm noticing every week towns and cities around the country are changing their policies where they won't fly any third-party flag. So just the U.S. flag, the state flag, maybe the POW flag and a town flag, uh, but no rainbow flag. So it's sometimes doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Some of the more conservative-run towns may fly the rainbow flag, feel pressure to do it. Now they say, hey, we have an out. And there are other cases where they are actually allowing the Christian flag to fly. We had a ceremony in Revere, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Boston, Christian flag raising and it was like right in front of City Hall and it will hopefully be an annual event Lowell, Massachusetts, yeah, which is just a little north of Boston <clears throat> right? and others are being planned and I, I, I get contact by people all over the country on a regular basis so I think this this case really uh, put the lemon test to rest Yeah, <laughs> uh, and the lemon test was this terrible decision. Boy, the Supreme Court came up with some real bad decisions in the early 70s, didn't they? Yeah. But it was based on a Catholic school in I think Providence, Rhode Island and it got to the point where uh, public officials were even saying "God bless you" or "Gesundheit" or uh, mm-hmm. uh, wearing a cross in a public school or even carrying a can- bringing a candy cane to a school was somehow a violation. And uh, this case, as well as several others, uh, uh, and the case that was uh, Coach Joe Kennedy out of uh, as I believe it was Washington State, a football coach. Mm-hmm. His case was one about two months after ours. In fact, our case was referenced in his case. So that's that was 
really what it was all about. Although we're, we're pleased we got our nice little ceremony. You can see that ceremony on Liberty Council's website, lc.org. Hmm. Um, campconstitution.net, by the way, if you go there, you'll see all uh, a lot of things that uh, that Hal has been up to. And again, about the camp. And uh, uh, as I say, <clears throat> excuse me, as I looked earlier, the mission of the Camp Constitution to enhance understanding of our Judeo-Christian moral heritage, our American heritage of courage and ingenuity, including the genius of our United States Constitution, uh, the application of free enterprise and on and on. Um, Hal, I want to pause, though. You mentioned Bloom. Uh, you mentioned Samuel uh, Blumenfeld. And I want to pause because you actually have, I noticed on the website, his archive. Now, for people that don't know, he was a prolific writer and much of his early writing and, and his whole career was about phonics and and the late phyllis schlafly was a great believer in uh sam blumenfeld's insight about hey um you know you, you got to teach people to read it's almost the most important thing that you can do for a student a young child and we were messing it up and he went on to write crimes of the educators co-write it co-authored with alex newman about sort of the history of how they were really intentionally seeming to dumb down but you have his archives I, he might, he was an extraordinary american he fought in world war ii i think he was yes. maybe, yeah and so uh, what's that like what's the archive like who, who's I hope somebody's in there like researching and writing about him. I, I, I will encourage people. He was extraordinary life. Well, Sam was a dear friend of mine. He was one of our camp instructors. And when he he passed away in June of 15, he had just turned 89, I believe. And he uh, willed me his most of his library, wow. Wow. his papers, because he knew I told Sam that it was our, our we pledged to him on his deathbed that his work will will influence unborn generations. So uh, so what I it, I even started gathering his material at his request prior to his death. He had about four, 200 legal boxes of books and papers and writings and correspondence, even even between Phyllis uh, Schlafly, of course, and uh, Sam. And we had a couple of couple of people. One is our, our webmaster, Eric Conover, mm-hmm. and our camp newspaper editor, Mark Affleck, who's in Pennsylvania. And Mark just PDF'd a lot of the, the letters, the newsletters, the books. And then we got some old recordings. We had a lot of cassettes, even reel-to-reels and CDs. And all of that was put in MP3, MP4 format. His Alpha Phonics workbook is available. We put it back. It's still in print, mm-hmm. but we have it on our website where you can download it. You can mm-hmm. use the website version with all 128 lessons and either an audio or video al- along with all of the teacher's guides, which you really don't need a teacher's guide. I think Sam did it because other alpha uh, phonics courses were offering them, and that's what people wanted. You have all of his lectures, and I tell uh, I used to tell people every time back in the 90s, homeschool, homeschooling is always a challenge. It's much yeah. easier now than it was then. Right. But every time you had second thoughts, just just put it a Sam Blumenfeld video, uh, cassette. <laughs> uh, and that will be, uh, what was I thinking? Of course, we're doing the right thing. That's fantastic. That's true. That's right. Before it was, uh, before everyone caught on, and maybe COVID hammered at home uh, as Sam was advocating for uh, homeschooling. All right. Um, so tell our folks about so no how i want to ask you this i'm looking back at my notes now i've been thinking about you for a week since we set this up um education on the constitution you know the late phyllis Schlafly. one of her favorite things that happened to her was she was appointed by ronald reagan to be on the bicentennial commission on the constitution and she had a great time there and she really treasured that period of time going out into the public and going they had hearings all over the country and talking about she just believed so much in the constitution so 
first question how i know we're gonna i know every old man like me now i turn into an old man i say oh the young people aren't studying the right things you know they're not but 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 constitutional literacy tell me where we are i know the need you're there and you're saying but i don't mean to be again the old man yelling at the neighbors kids but it's getting worse and worse isn't it well, there's no question about that. I live in uh, Alton, New Hampshire. Just uh, a few days ago, we offered to donate pocket copies of the Constitution to the local government school, high school. And I didn't hear from any of the teachers that I the social studies teachers. And then finally, one got back to me and says, well, you have to ask the principal. So I emailed the principal and within a matter of minutes, thank you. But we are all set with pocket copies of the Constitution. Well, I pretty much doubt that the school, <laughs> that right. they have any pocket copies copy although we did donate some to the manchester new hampshire high school at the request of its superintendent i think about three thousand and every student now just getting a constitution it's like you know i could buy a book and put it on my bookshelf i could buy a brand new piano and put it in my living room that doesn't mean i'm going to play it or read the book you have to actually read it and i think our nation's enemies fear an informed voter more than anything else and a voter who actually understands the constitution you know it wasn't written in some kind of hieroglyphics or some kind of arcane uh format it was really simple and some of the words might be a little archaic like for example well regulated yeah. but you can easily determine it doesn't mean a bunch of laws and res- you know it means that well trained well disciplined Right. So and there, again, there's a few parts of the Constitution where you might have, but some of them are pretty straightforward. You know, there's absolutely no doubt. You know, it says uh, Congress shall not do this; it shall not do that. And the other thing too, if they didn't grant the power, then they couldn't do it. So we, you know, we sit back and we listen to politicians in both major parties, and you kind of wince. They'll say democracy, and you say it's not a democracy. They'll say, well, we have to support the Ukraine; we have to give them foreign aid. Well, it's not in the Constitution. Right. And uh, so we do have a work cut off for us. But I'd like to think that there's some great, you know, we're a relatively small organization. I think we do have a lot of impact. But you've got Hillsdale College. You have um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, the Institute of the Constitution by uh, our, our friend, uh, Pastor David Whitney, who actually is one of our instructors. And many other uh, 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 entities that are doing this. Uh, Chris Ann Hall is doing a great job. And I just met a gentleman. He does something called the Constitution Minute. I didn't meet him in person he, a little newspaper in maine was carrying his articles he's down in texas and i looked at it, people he, he influenced they says man you we we we're kind of in the same travel in the same circles and he does his uh program and we see this around the country so it's even though we we're we have a long way to go i think we've made a lot of progress uh, we're talking again with hal shirtliff and uh, go to camp net and um, see more um uh how the um Tell me, tell, give me the, give me the rundown on the camp, so that if somebody's listening right now, and I, I will say, sure. we've, we've had this great experience where lots of homeschoolers uh, listen to these shows as podcasts, and you pass them around. So, tell me, tell, tell us what that is, how it fits together. Tell us um, uh, why it's uh, really helpful for young people. Well, let me also mention, since our last conversation, we we now have a weekend family camp as well as a ladies retreat uh, in addition to the week-long camp. But the week-long camp starts Sunday afternoon. I do say July 17th or 16th. I don't have it's, my... Uh, July, oh, here we go. Uh, July 16th to 20th. July 16th, yes. It's in... Um, 
Singing Hills Christian Camp in Plainfield, New Hampshire, which is about an hour north and west of Concord, New Hampshire, not too far from uh, St. Johnsbury. Vermont. I'm sorry, not St. Johnsbury, White River Junction, Vermont. Beautiful lo- location. Um, and we always offer people, hey, we pick you up at an airport, pick you up at a train station, pick you up at a bus station if need be. And um, we have some of, I like to think, not just the nation's, but some of the world's top instructors. Professor Willie Soon, he's become a regular. He's one of the world's top atmospheric scientists, as well as the climate realists. Alex Newman, who's been coming the last three or four years with his whole family, as well as Willie Soon and his family. Alex is an expert on numerous topics, the Great Reset, uh, education. Of course, he co-authored uh, Sam Blumenfeld's last book, uh, last and final book, uh, Crimes of the Educators. Pastor David Whitney, who is uh, with the Institute on, on the Constitution out of Pasadena, Maryland, and other instructors. Um, we have a few that we haven't got confirmation, so I can't, I can't, uh, we're hoping to get Vince Ellison. He's become a friend, sure. and uh, but I can't confirm that. In addition to the class, and we also have a program for the youngsters, too. We have people, well, uh, reenactors come in in colonial outfits. Uh, we actually have cannons, live firing, uh, marksmanship classes, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of hiking, a field trip. Last year, we took uh, a trip to the Augustus St. Gaudens homestead. He's the man who did the, the 54th Regiment, um, beautiful uh, bass relief there in Boston. Right. And uh, we went to the Calvin Coolidge homestead. So we, we, we do different things every year. And we have a great campfire. Uh, you know, we spend an hour singing old-fashioned corny songs, a few hymns, and people play instruments and do skits. And we have a camp newspaper. And uh, this year, uh, we had about five or six uh, fa- homeschool families from Connecticut, all first-timers, and they were so excited. They they just had us down in Connecticut la- uh, last week doing it's like a camp constitution for a day uh, in a church there in Newtown. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, there's plenty of opportunities to start other camps. So anyone out there listening that might be interested in hosting us for a day for a weekend uh that'd be great we'd love to come out and if we can't come out maybe we could find some folks that will and uh and maybe you could uh, replicate our program very good well uh it's good stuff hal it's uh, really a necessary it's necessary and also i think your approach is sort of um like phyllis used to say uh, or used to be say used to say about phyllis a happy warrior there's a lot of things to be really worried about uh but ultimately you've got the joy of uh you've got the joy of christ i know uh, Amen. So it makes a big difference. Well, we'll wish you good luck, and I'll put up on social media uh, links to all this. And uh, thanks very much, Hal. Well, thanks for having me. God bless now. God bless you. We'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. And don't forget, I'll put up on social media. I just checked. I'll, I'll make sure to put up the link to uh, campconstitution.net and also the link to the application for the, the uh, camp. So you see that, too. So we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with Gregory Wrightstone, our old friend. He is the uh, executive director of the CO2 Coalition, CO2Coalition.org, among other things that him hats he wears and things he does. Uh, welcome back, Gregory. How are you? 
Oh, really good. Busy, busy, busy. Yeah. So first, before we get to some specifics, um, uh, the, the changeover of the House to uh, Republicans, uh, obviously, the Senate stayed the same. Everybody knows that. So Democrats will block anything dramatic. But Joe Biden would have eat, would have probably, too. Well, how do you see, um, by the way, uh, Gregory Wrightstone is the author of Inconvenient Facts, a best-selling book uh, you should get and understand on, on the so-called climate change. Um, how do you see the House changing hands, presenting opportunities for saner policy on energy for America? Well, uh, I'm not, I'm hopeful, but the problem we have there is that we've got uh, uh, Republicans This uh, are, are following this American consumer caucus or conservative caucus. They're, uh, they all, there's quite a few of them there, including, uh, uh, they just got back from Egypt to that COP27 conference. So they're all, these Republicans uh are, are saying, well, there's a climate crisis and we need to solve it, but we need to use conservative solutions, which that, that's a, I'll interpret that for you. That means we shouldn't spend three and a half trillion dollars. We should only spend eight hundred billion. <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, we won't throw all the money at it. We'll just throw some of the money at it. No. And, and yeah. Yeah. We've talked. It, there is no climate crisis. We see benefits accruing to modest warming and increased CO2. And what this is, they're throwing money at a non-existent problem. It's it's a solution in search of a problem is what I call it. And so if it's $800 billion, $3 trillion, I'd say one cent is too much to spend to solve a non-existent problem. Well, this is where we're talking with Gregory Wrightstone. Uh, again, uh, Gregory Wrightstone is uh, a book you need to have in inconvenient facts on your shelf and also go to CO2coalition.org. Uh, this is where Trump back in the day, years ago now, when he said uh, the climate change things were the hoax, everyone went crazy. And, and what he sort of stepped towards was, well, whatever you think it is, throwing trillions of dollars at it is not the way to do anything like there's no there's no solution there's no seriousness of solution greta thornberg's uh uh, alarmism did not create any solutions that actually address what she said that it was a it's a wealth transfer so enough on that we've covered that a lot let me ask you because we're exchanging an email on this i want to hear you talk about the diesel prices i want to know why and what it means because we're that's a factor in this inflation people don't my gas tank being filled up with gas is a problem for me. It makes me mad. But diesel costs going up, up, up is changing everything from food uh, to Christmas presents to anything. So walk me through this. Tell me what it's about and where we're headed. Yeah, well, right now, it's let's talk about distillates and define what those are. Yeah, distillates are, are it's it's diesel, home heating oil and jet fuel. Okay. And those are the distillates. They're they're similar, but there's some slight some slight differences. And that's what we're talking about here, the run-up in prices for these things. And particularly we'll talk about diesel. Uh, distillate levels right now uh, are lowest level since two thousand and eight. And actually you have to go back to nineteen eighty two for October levels. Uh, to be as low as they were here just 30 days ago. And so uh, what what we're talking about, and think about it, in 2008 or 1982, low levels is really compounded now because our our needs and uses of diesel and all these others have increased greatly. So it's not just that we're back to where we were in 82 or 2008, but now we've got pop. I was just looking, we've probably doubled or tripled 
uh, the amount of gallons that are needed uh, f- for diesel. And we need diesel for just about everything that you buy in the store. And so why are they so high is the question. There's a lot of things that go into it. Number one, we're exporting about a million barrels a day of distillates. Uh, people say, well, well, why don't we just sh-? they're talking. Jennifer Granholm's talking about shutting down those exports. Keep right. it here in the United States. Um, that would probably uh, it may help a little bit. Right. But the reason there, there are a number of reasons why they're shipping it and exporting it instead of uh, selling it uh, in the United States. One of those was a few years ago, the EPA cracked down on refineries, lowered the sulfur uh, content in in diesel uh, to a level that it was going to be very expensive for the refineries to upgrade to get to reach what they needed. So a number of refineries just said, "The heck with that. We're just going to stay with the higher sulfur content, and we'll just export that. We can't sell it here." In the so we're going to you know that that that's a part of the reason we're exporting. Uh, the other thing has to do with the Jones Act. I think the last I was on with you last week, we we referenced the Jones Act prohibiting. Uh, importing inexpensive natural gas from Texas and Louisiana into Boston. Um, and what that does, it requires the Jones Act. If you're going to ship goods from one port to another, an American port to another American port, you have to use an American flag vessel using American crew. Well, that's a lot more expensive doing that than just using a, a, a standard carrier. Uh, so some some refineries look at that and say, okay, well, I can make another buck and a half. Uh, it's going to cost me a buck and a half a, a gallon or whatever it is less to ship it to Europe than if I sell it here. And that's that's one of the there's a number of things. But these are self-imposed problems we've got here. Um, and so we've got we're. We're going to have we're going to be facing this for a while. So even if Jennifer Granholm says uh, that we're going to we're going to stop exporting diesel and distillates, uh, a lot of these right now would not be permitted to be used in the United States because of the sulfur content. we're, we're talking with, uh, oh, I said Gregory Wrightstone, again, executive director over at the CO2Coalition.org. There's a lot of there on that website, CO2Coalition.org. Um, also his book, In- Inconvenient Facts. So if the distillates are going up, 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 um, wh- <laughs> I hate to say it, where's the hope? I mean, what, Gregory, what would the, I mean, we, we're going to have a presidential race two years from now. We'd have a new administration, you know, uh, uh, 27 or eight months from now, uh, longer if you figure that they have to confirm people and pass things and all, if there was a change in the parties. W- what's your best hope on this? Is that it, we just sort oh, of, boy. Mud- yeah, muddle along? Well, I'm not sure you're the things that could be solved immediately would be a, a temporary ban on the Jones Act. Just lift it. That could be done this afternoon. And he could do that. Lift the Jones Act for exporting and importing LNG. That, that solves the Boston problem. Uh, that solves also without imposing a, a, a complete shutdown uh, and impose that by the federal government on exports. If you just lift the Jones Act, that probably brings more oil back to the United States than being exported. So, uh, but the, one of the big problems we have here, and it's it's a it's a real tough nut to crack, is the lack of refineries. Uh, I've seen as high as fifty percent of the refineries in the United States shut down over the last thirty years. And do you think, where, where do you think, Ed, if you were going to build a refinery, what, where would you build one? 
who would who wants a refinery next to them? Um, the existing refineries are kind of in place, but they're more more planned to be shut down. That's that's a real really bad problem we have here in the United States. Um, and you're well, going to have every when you, when you when you say that you mean the not in my backyard effect. People don't want it in their backyard because they don't. Right. They, they, we've now been conditioned to think it's the end of the world. Right? I mean that that every refinery is like Chernobyl. I mean, and so I mean if if you if you had a different mindset. Um, uh, if people if we had a different media that was more honest and 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 we had a conversation that you know since what tell me 25 years ago the the progress in making sure that what's coming into the air is safer it's like night and day right i mean there's plenty of technology to control this so it's it's a perception fed by the media fed by the left fed by the money it's an insatiable money demand so back to the swamp um yeah, the, Greg, go ahead. sorry I, I, no i'm just going to say but yeah they're trying the epa in particular it's their overreach they're trying to get every last part per billion of whatever thing anything that might be bad uh out of the air and the water and they're we're probably have cleaner water now cleaner air than we have since the beginning of the industrial revolution uh so we should celebrate that but Uh, but once again it's these unintended consequences of this just you go, gotta get that last part per billion out because we're all gonna die no we're not right well and and again back to the uh, swamp what I what I where I was headed was um, as you described the return of Republicans and Democrats uh, uh, elected officials and and senior lobbyists and elect and, and administration officials from this Egypt uh, conference in Egypt and everybody comes back and there's now just a debate it's kind of like should we spend a trillion or 500 billion should we spend three trillion or 1.1 trillion sort of we're already negotiating against ourselves in the sense that that's not going to solve the problem anyway I mean again it's it's and and so my my thought is, insofar, uh, Gregory Wrightstone's our guest, insofar as the American public has made a transition on what I would call the the American uh, uh, wars overseas, in the last couple of years, more and more Americans say, no more fighting in foreign lands for us. We don't want Vietnam. We don't want Afghanistan. We don't want Iraq. That's a pretty big mind shift. It's happened in the Republican Party, but it's happened also in the country. Can you foresee? Could you foresee? Are you hopeful that the broader, um, uh, uh, not just elected officials, but the the, uh, people will say, you know what? We see this as a hoax, a money grab, and we want to change it. Or are we again, are we trapped in a media landscape and a tech landscape that won't allow that even that thought to be out there? Oh, no, Ed, I'm very optimistic about that. I think the American people, uh, I've seen a huge uh, sea change over the last, particularly the last six months, but I saw it coming two years ago. I used to end, I started signing off on a lot of my emails, we are winning uh, here about a year and a half or two years ago. Uh, And I really see that. I see that the people, most random people I talk to are just thirsty for this information uh, about climate change that we provide, about the many benefits of warming and increased CO2. People are thirsty for this information. Uh, it, it's the very, very rare person that pushes back against this. They go, really? And they want to learn more. Uh, and that's, that's, I think we're winning the general uh, population uh, of, of the United States over to this climate realism and uh, climate skepticism that there isn't man-made catastrophic warming. Uh, 
Ed, we see that at the CO2 Coalition. Uh, we're doing a direct mail fundraising campaign right now, and we're focusing on our education outreach. We're, we're, we're creating comic books, uh, videos, and associated lesson plans for, for children and for homeschool parents. And we're using that. Uh, the direct mail company's been, been doing this with us has been doing this for 20 years. They're reporting to us that they've been, it's unprecedented, the response that we've got. They've never seen anything like this in 20 years. People are responding to our, our message of climate facts, not climate fear. And then the education, bolstered right on to that, is, is this education initiative uh, to reach out. We want to teach children science without the climate alarmism. And it's a, it's, it's something I'm really, really proud to talk about. We'll be rolling this out in about 30 days, Ed. Well, we'll, we'll talk want you more. To- yeah, yeah. Let me, I, I, because I, and I'll let me, I got to finish, but say this. Uh, you deserve a lot of cre- credit, Gregory Wrightstone, uh, for being out there for years and years talking about this when it, it seemed like, le- you know, not enough people were talking. So it's uh, not enough people were listening. And now it feels like more and more people are listening. And I think, you know, I had a guest on, uh, on the program program the other day on on the uh, China, as more of our people get clear on China and what the communist Chinese have done and how they take advantage of these uh, of these efforts. So maybe they probably feed them in terms of the TikTok or other social media to make America, you know, worry about things they shouldn't. It's a wealth transfer and it's an economy drag and it's meant to hurt us. So um, you're on top of it. Gregory Wrightstone, again, has been our guest executive director over at the CO2 Coalition, CO2Coalition.org. Get his book in Convenient Facts. We'll have you again very soon, Gregory. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. All right. We'll take a break. Everybody will come back. It's uh, that website. He's got a lot of there, there, and uh, he's got to listen to us. I'm not joking when I say he was out. He was out for years talking about this to 10 people, 50 people, 100 people, and now much of the country's listening, including some of the key folks. So uh, um, good for Gregory Wrightstone. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. President Biden's own attorney general, Merrick Garland, admitted that across the country, fentanyl is devastating families and communities. Garland identified the source as the outlawed drug cartels operating in northern Mexico. Yet Joe Biden has done nothing to disrupt their operations or close our border to the traffickers who bring their deadly product to our country. The Department of Justice describes the Mexican drug cartels as Ruthless criminal organizations that use deception and treachery to drive addiction with complete disregard for human life. But instead of matching its actions to these strong words, the DOJ spends its resources on political investigations of Americans who oppose the Biden regime. Open borders and defunding police are what Democrat politicians stand for. And for a while, it seemed they would get away with it. Now the fentanyl crisis may be turning Americans against illegal immigration as never before. Polls have shown a steady decline in support for Democrats as the public wakes up to the fentanyl problem and how Democrat policies have made it worse. In the first year of the Biden administration, there was a sharp increase of 15% in overdose deaths to a new record of 107,000. Much of this was due to the fentanyl that flooded across the southern border soon after Biden opened it to illegal immigrants and the criminal cartels who profit from them. It is impossible to separate these drug deaths from the policies that allow them. Fentanyl does not materialize out of thin air. 
Communist China ships precursor chemicals to Mexican drug cartels who produce the fentanyl, according to the DEA, and the cartels then send it across the border that Democrats refuse to close. The deadly fentanyl is everywhere now and continues to pour into our country. We know how fentanyl is made. We know how fentanyl gets here. And we know how to stop it. Why are Democrats unwilling to secure our border to save 100,000 Americans per year? The cold fact of the matter is that politicians are motivated only by constituent intervention. So it's up to you and me to spread the word that fentanyl kills and securing the border is the only way to stop it. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the latest on building the wall to protect our southern border? To the liberal media, it's a joke. But the crisis of illegal aliens is no laughing matter. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're asking serious questions regarding what to build, who's paying for it, and how best to deploy our military. Go to phyllisschlafly.com and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's uh, let's finish up by giving you an update on something. A few weeks ago, I think I, uh, well, I, I know it was at least two weeks ago, we had on our friend Ron Kessler. Ron Kessler is, of course, the author of many, many books uh, about politics, about institutions, CIA, the Secret Service, the White House. Uh, he wrote a book on West Palm Beach, which is uh, about the social scene there. He's just an investigative reporter his whole career, and he's had a long career. And he's he's written a lot about the FBI. And uh, there's a new book out by Professor Gage. I forget her first name. She's at Yale University. And uh, Ronald Kessler wrote a piece saying she whitewashes the history of the FBI. And here's what I want to tell you. Her book is with a major book publisher. I don't know, Harper Collins or one of the big ones. And so he was saying, look, she's whitewashing. Ronald Kessler was. She's whitewashing the truth. And everybody's just saying, oh, wow, what a great, you know, what a great book. She went to the big schools. She's at the big schools. You know, she must it must be real, must be serious. And it's not. So I was walking through the airport. I mentioned I was traveling these weeks and there in two different airports prominently displayed on the bookshelf is this book uh, on the FBI by Professor Gage. And the point my point is that the truth is assigned to we the people also by big tech and big media. Big media includes the publishers who decide what they're going to push and how they're going to push it. And in this case, they're going to push something that whitewashes J. Edgar Hoover's uh, past and, and his misconduct and lots of other things in favor of saying nice things. I wonder why. I wonder why. All right, we got to run. Have a great uh, night, everybody. Have a great day, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thank you to Noah Dingley and uh, Ryan Hyatt. Be back tomorrow. See you. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.